It's always soccer in Philadelphia on a Monday night, and whew, hang on a second, I need to uh, catch my breath after a super mega soccer Sunday bonanza. I watched four games yesterday. How many games did I watch? I watched three games yesterday. Uh, my name is Kevin Kincaid. Joining me is somebody who always brings the ratings when he joins the program. Everybody, please give a roaring round of applause. It's Rush Joy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Russ, did you watch one game yesterday? Did you watch two games yesterday? Did you watch three or maybe four soccer games in one day? I watched uh, seven games yesterday. No. I did. What did you watch? I was watching some J-League. I watched the Iranian League. And, uh, no, you did no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I uh, I was I was uh, getting ready for. This. I do I was, love the Iranian league, though. Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I'll tell you. What's who. the big? The what's Iraqi the big? Ra- <laughs> what's the big? Uh, what's the Tehran derby? Isn't it like uh, Eshtiglal? What? Oh, how the hell do you say? It? There's a here. I'm gonna Google the Tehran derby here real quick. You're a mess. Um, I we're gonna talk about that on the podcast. I would say you know I caught I caught parts of a bunch of games. Um, of course the Gold Cup. And the Women's World Cup final, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union, mm-hmm. and I, I uh, tried to illegally stream the uh, Brazil and Peru match, but I, I got to be honest, um, you don't have ESPN Plus. No, you don't have ESPN Plus. Yeah, I don't. Um, wow. And you know, I could have gone with the five dollars. I, I had my wife convinced for a little bit that we should get the uh, the ESPN Plus, uh, like the the year for like eighty bucks or whatever. That also came with uh, the UFC, mm-hmm. UFC matches on uh, was that Saturday. And uh, came close, yeah. came close to pulling the trigger on it, but like having to actually pay like another sixty bucks or whatever every pay per view after that. That's I know. That just, it's that tough. Well, you mouth. get the fight, you get the fight nights. ESPN Plus is just great for like all soccer in general. You can get like literally anything on there. I mean, I think you get like Serie A, you get like all the other MLS games. You get the maybe you get the Iranian league on there. You might get the Iranian league. So the Tehran Derby is uh, wow, Estiglal, is Estiglal. Sorry, I don't know how to say it. Estiglal versus Persepolis. Oh, okay. Um, the most wins in the series. Estiglal has twenty six wins, and uh, Ali Parvin has scored twenty goals in the Tehran Derby. Good for um, him. To lead all scores in the Tehran Derby, maybe, maybe sometime in the future, if Americans are actually allowed to go over there, maybe we'll go. Maybe we'll do a live podcast from Tehran. Uh, <laughs> we can get the Ayatollah to be a special guest if he's interested. If nothing else, we can uh, with the WWE in town. Maybe we can get the Ayatollah of rock and roller, Chris Jericho. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. He's with AEW now anyway. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen, speaking of live podcasts, I have an announcement to make. The live podcast at the Larimer on the 20th, uh, 12 days from now, is still on. We're still good. Um, Because somebody asked me, I just wanted to say that. It's still good. It's still on. Because the Larimer, uh, Matt over there, was going to, they were going to open. They were originally supposed to open this past weekend, but they had to push the opening date back. Um, But we're still good for the 20th. So nothing on our end. Um, I'm happy to announce that Matt DeGeorge and Joe Tanzi uh, will be joining me for the live podcast, which will be 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Russ, I asked you to do it. You're unavailable. I'm at a wedding. Um, I'm at, I'm at our a wedding. friend Ben's wedding. And I think it's yeah. really selfish of him to get married on the same day as the uh, It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. It's a shame because you would have brought, brought big ratings to the live podcast. I bring the biggest ratings. I don't know what to tell you. 
You do. Um, the other announcement I had to make is, oh yeah, the the Brian Sharetta interview that I did for Crossing Broad last week, uh, that was supposed to be a podcast, and I actually had audio issues for the first time in Always Soccer Philadelphia history. I'm really embarrassed and ashamed by it, but I took the uh, audio from that and I turned it into a um, turned it into a good story for Crossing Broad. I think more people actually read it on Crossing Broad than actually would have listened to the podcast anyway. So go figure. Um, so yeah, that was that. And then we ended up doing the, uh, the f- impromptu podcast instead at the gold cup. Cause I just wanted to get something up on the, on the thing, you know? So yep. thank you to like the 700 people who just listened to me and Tansy and Dave talking into, a uh, my recorder for 20 minutes. That was interesting. I enjoyed uh, it, but, but we had some fun. Yeah. Did you have fun? Was it a fun episode for I you? I thought it was a fun one. Yeah. I thought it was, thought it was nice to listen to, uh, Zeitlin just, uh, Approached the union with a little bit of disdain. I think he, I think he secretly hates them for finally being good now that he's gone. I think we all kind of secretly hate them for that. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm in the same boat. I do the podcast though, so at least I can be Positelfia and get more ratings. Here's a question of, of the people who were on the um, the show that you did. How many of them are going to be playing in the uh, media game next week? Oh, that's right. Um, you know, I did not ask. Uh, Russ pressured me into playing in the media game again this year. Um, so I did. So Russ and I will be representing crossing broad, uh, at the media game. I don't think they've done it since they did it the first time in like 2016. Um, there are pictures of Jim, like yelling a command at me. And there's another one of Ernie, me and Ernie talking, um, Anzio Williams, who is the news director at NBC 10. He tore his ACL at the last media day. <laughs> so, so we're going to try to avoid that. We don't want that to happen again. My wife keeps um, saying to me, "Don't hurt yourself," because we have the wedding that Saturday. Yeah, she's like, yeah. You, "You can't, you can't get hurt." I'm like, oh, "Yeah." Now listen, Kincaid, here's, the, here's the thing: if we team up, we will wreck everyone. If I'm against you, I will blow you up. I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Um, well, I'm interested to see what side we're on. And if we're on opposite sides, I'm just I'm gonna just go two feet, man. Wait, did you pick two your feet, color? Like a foot off the ground. Um, yeah, I just wrote down like it doesn't matter. Oh, are we supposed no. to pick one or two or yeah, it doesn't it was, matter? What yeah. was blue blue or white? Oh, I picked okay. blue. You know. Well, listen, these things are not that serious, so we can just swap uh, Keep an s- eye. Swap jerseys. Oh, that necessary. would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, Yeah, Union Media Game, It's uh, that was fun. The last one I did, I put in a crunching slide tackle on somebody. I can't remember who it was. All right, well, let's get on to the important things here. Um, it's not the media game. It's the actual game. Uh, Philadelphia Union three points in Orlando, and then they only got one at home after a goofy weather delay. Uh, I, you know, I, I, my take is like you go into a home and home, you're happy with four points, right? You think you get like draw on the road and you get three at home, uh, but it was reversed. They got the three on the road, and then they got the one at home. So you tell me, Russ, uh, glass half full, glass half empty. Was that? Uh, did you feel good about how they got the four points? No, I, I, I think that. The win on the road felt fine. It, it felt like it should have. I'm more upset with how they performed on Sunday. Um, now, I, I get the fact that, you know, you didn't have Jamiro, um, and, and that's going to throw you for a loop. But the, the I guess the biggest issue that I had with it was, you know, maybe for both teams, I think that there were, there were some excuses going around that because the game was delayed a day, that that might have caused a problem for the, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Union. But it happened to both teams. Right. And and for Orlando, it's another night yeah. away from home. Um, I, just I think what hurt him is that they didn't get to play in front of a good crowd. 
Yeah, I mean, you it, know what I mean. That would yeah. have helped if there was the you know the fifteen, sixteen, seventeen thousand people who were supposed to be there on Saturday night. If they it were looked all, like if they had all been there, it looked like like they were playing in front of an NWSL cl- uh, crowd. And um, oh, oh, I'm the guy. Yeah, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad. Yeah, I'm the bad guy. You know what? I I can't wait to see all of the Twitter Justice Warriors who Hard are saying turn, you know man. who are. Uh, <laughs> look, I support the women's game. I do. I promise. But like all these people who have filled up twitter for like the last weekend with uh you know equal pay and equal rights and equal treatment of the game i'm like i'm like look i think it's great that everybody's going on twitter and is supporting the game but i guarantee you you're you're not going to see that that much of an attendance boost i think it's a shame i'm gonna be honest you get your ass kicked saying something like that i know look i and i i'm i guess it's just because i'm not afraid to say it i think that people should support the women's game am i going to go out to games no I barely go out to union games. I have kids. It's hard. Um, but like that, that honestly is my biggest takeaway from this weekend is I can't wait to see the tens of thousands of people who come out to NWSL games and, uh, and, uh, continue to, uh, actually put their money where their mouth is. I don't see it. All right, well, anyway, hold, sorry. Hold that thought. Yeah. Cause we'll get, we'll get to the women. <laughs> we'll, so yeah, we'll the, the union we'll... got to, the men got to find out what it's like to play in front of a, a crowd that goes out to support the women. You didn't mm-hmm. like it, men. Did you No. So you should turn around and you should go support the women's national team. That's what I'm saying. No, that's a very roundabout way of getting, uh, of saving face there on that point. Just, you said yeah. it, you said it, bro. Not me. Um, <clears throat> listen, so Andrew Vooten, uh, well, and they don't have Ilsenio, by the way, too. So there's no Ilsenio, no Montero. I mean, I, I'm I'm of the the belief that if they have one or both of those guys, the Union win that game. I don't think um, you should need them though. You shouldn't. I, there's, but I there's mean, enough I, of a I don't talent think disparity. That, like you can't. That that's like an old Union thing, right? Like you, you lose one guy and you can't figure out how to recover from it. This team has been so yeah, resilient yeah, all season, yeah. and for them to drop, really, I I effectively say you you dropped. You know, obviously the two points. You should have come out with three. You end up with one on a late Casper Shabilko goal, which was fantastic. It was their two best players, though. Yeah, you know. I don't. Casper, <laughs> I know what Casper, you're saying. Casper, the friendly striker, is looking pretty darn good these days, man. I don't so, know. Okay, so let me. Okay, so here's a question. Uh, Andrew Vooten is eligible to play next week at RSL, right? Make his debut, right? Yep. Uh, tomorrow is when the paperwork goes through, or whatever, whatever the fuck, right? So, la, 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 la. I, I originally said, okay, let's see Sergio Santos and Andrew Vooten together. Uh, Sergio Santos has really disappointed me. He's really let me down. Um, he's really uh, embarrassed me again and made me feel ashamed. This is the third time I've felt ashamed on this podcast. Because um, I said that I thought he was the best of the crop, and I saw like some good things in him early in the season, and now he just has squandered every chance he's been given over the last three or four games, right? So I'm out on uh, Sergio Santos outright uh, I'm out on Google me so I I let's just put him in the in the bagster for a little bit right let's just put him off to the side you got Fafa Pico you got Shabilko you got Vooten now the, pr- the problem is that like I think Andrew Vooten I think Casper Shabilko play the same exact game right so then it gets into the philosophy that Adam Kahn and I were talking about on an earlier episode like a couple months ago we're saying can, can you play like two center forward target men kind of guys on the field at the same time I think it's kind of redundant, but I mean the the union strikers are just if you, if you're playing in front of Fabian Montero Bedoya Maduni, I mean you're going to get great service no matter what. I now think that like maybe you could try Vooten and Shabilko up top. I mean it's just hard for me to justify because number one I can't justify taking Shabilko off the field right now, right? Number two I can't justify not having Vooten on the field. 
So, I mean, I'm with the mindset of you try those two guys, play those two guys and see if it works. I agree. Um, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a reasonable way to get both of those guys on the field and not have your quality drop. Um, I've, I've been in the same camp as you about Sergio Santos being, if not the best striker, the best option, the, the most versatile forward on the team. And I'm not going to allow this uh, last stretch of five, six games dictate or change my feelings on him. I still think that he is a dynamic striker and he gives him something that he gives him a complete package that nobody, except for maybe Vooten, who I haven't watched play, um, maybe he can give you some of it. But Santos, to me, is the complete package. They just haven't been able to get him in, in position to be successful. Um, but I'm not giving up on him. This isn't like when I, I went to the well way too many times expecting Fernando Aristigueta to turn it around. I still think that there is a salvageable player in Sergio Santos. I just don't know why we haven't seen it yet. I don't get it because, and I know that they've been like sticking him out on the right and uh, at times, which doesn't really help. But like, either he's like trying way too hard and he's just going a mile a minute and he's out of control, or he just looks very passive at times. Like, wh- where where is the middle ground? Why can he not find the middle ground? You know, I think. It, and Shabilko, I, I do think it's pressing. Like, I think that has to be part of it, right? Because yeah, yeah. Shabilko's been able to convert at a high clip, at a high rate. And Fafa, who I've been critical of, and I'll continue to be. Like I, I think that it's nice to see that Fafa's been able to put the put the biscuit in the old onion bag. But like, <laughs> I think it's great. But I, I, I wouldn't bank on it, right? Oh, Fafa! Oh, Fafa! There he is! Oh, a lovely goal! Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I would not stake my season success on Fafa being a consistent threat up top. Well, you I like, can't get, I like the two-man game change, that he and play. Yeah, you can't change, like, your, your view. Like, if you felt that your strike force was not good enough that you had to go out and get Andrew Vooten, you can't just go back and change your mind now and say, oh, well, Pico and Shaboko are playing well. Because then, what, you're just going to stick Vooten on the bench? You can't do that. you got to say, we've seen enough of these two guys to know that th- that ain't it. Yeah. Like, they're good, serviceable, but we don't think that's it. So... And, like, Shabilko, look, Shabilko scored in four straight games. One of them, I think he scored from, like, one foot out. Uh, the two volleys were really nice, man. He hit those flush, caught them perfectly. Great yep. goals. Um, I, I mean, beyond that, though, I don't know if Shabilko is really any different to me than, like, a Corey Burke or a CJ Sapong. Like, I don't I – don't, we always talked about those guys. Can they be, like, bona fide, like, number one, like, studs on a team? Like, are, are they – is one of those guys ever going to score 15 goals, 14 or 15 goals? CJ did it, like, once. Um, I don't know if Shabilko is any different than that or if he just benefits from playing in front of the best union midfield that's ever been assembled. I don't think it matters, right? Like, as long as he's able to convert his opportunities at a high enough clip, it, it doesn't matter how he's getting them. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that, would, be, that would be my argument. Now, I, I want to play, I want to do an exercise because uh, we like to do <laughs> exercises <laughs> on It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. That's right, that's right. Let's build a four-four-two. I love a good exercise. Let's build a four-four-two. And try to do it in a way that you can have Vooten and Shabilko up top, but also get Fafa Fafer on the field as an outside mid. And I, I have a I have a proposal that's going to make most people's heads implode. But I know it's right, something well, that's been brought it. up to you before. Let's hear it, yeah. I'm not so sure that I wouldn't put Ali back at right back. Because I think if if you're able to Put somebody into place that is defensively responsible enough, but is also gifted enough offensively from that position. I'm not sure that it's not the worst, or that it's not the worst thing in the world. Like we've talked how many times about the fact that boy does this team look different 
if Keegan Rosenberry's ability to get into the final third could rear its head. I think this team has proven, on the back line at least, that they're fundamentally sound enough that if Ali were to make some runs, to make a, a beautiful overlap, to get into space on the right flank, that he's responsible enough to get back. Harris, I think, has actually played decently enough defensively in the last few games that he doesn't look like the uh, the vortex or the the um, the turnstile that he typically is a, as a defensive mid. Mm-hmm. I, I would explore the possibility, and I know that, that Jim probably won't, but Ale is right back. Get Fafa in as probably a left mid and allow this team to kind of run like a, an overloaded dynamic off the right side where Ale, Ale is able to get up in the attack, but we know that he's capable of covering enough ground to get back. I'm not saying that it's got to be every play has to start out of the back and he needs to be the guy who's crossing in. But I think, you know, for better or worse, this team might, might benefit from having the speed of Fafa on the wing having probably your two best striking options right now, your hottest guy in Casper, and probably your most overall talented in uh, in Vooten up top. And God, you, you get to put Jamiro in there, right? Like, the, it's a fun exercise. Build the four four two. go. It is an exercise, and so I'll humor the exercise for, uh, for the sake of the exercises, I like to say. Um, okay, so Kai Wagner, Andre Blake, Kai Wagner. Not a great week for Andre Blake, by the way. Andre Blake, Kai Wagner... Austin Trusty, Jack Elliott. Um, Ali Bedoya, right back. Ali Bedoya, okay. So I'm building yours. I'm building yours. Yeah, build I'm mine. Building build yours. mine, okay. yep. Uh, Fafa Pico on the right, I guess. Jamiro on the left. Medunian in at the at the at playing the tip, right? Uh, or at the uh, the pivot, right? Yep. Uh, la, 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 Fabian, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, then Shabilko and Vooten. Tell me, that's not, like. tell me that's not potentially the best 11 that this team can field. I just don't know if, if Fafa playing, like, tucked in, you know, because part of the thing with that, too, is he can't, like, he's not, he can't play wide when he's on the side of the diamond. Like, like part of the thing is, like, those guys have to stay in close enough to Medunian and to protect him. Like, he's not, <clears throat> it's kind of a narrow shape, you know, like, Fafa's a winger, you know, so it's just not a, like, even when you play him up top, like he said earlier this year, like, I'm a winger, like, I'm not used to playing like this. You know, and they're literally just not playing with wingers at all. And I, like for I, Fafa did a lot of good when they played four two three one last year. He did a lot of good defensive work for Jim coming back and defending and picking up guys and stuff like that. I don't have, I don't have any <clears throat> concern about his desire to defend. I don't know how good of a defender he is. Like I don't know if he's gonna like come in like Bedoya and put like a crunching tackle down. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing with like Bedoya playing right back, I don't know. He just does so many good little things in the midfield. Like it's just hard for me to play him exclusively as a defender because I, I, I understand how Jim likes to pay, likes to pull his fullbacks back so that they sit there and they just kind of bracket Medunian in because Medunian will go kind of move further and further up and kind of like ping the ball around from like 25 yards out and he'll just kind of be point guard up there, you know? So that's mm-hmm. why you have Wagner and, and Gaddis peeled back. But Dewey can do it, sure. I just think he does a lot of good stuff in the position he's currently in. Like it's hard, it's hard for me to just – it's hard for me to break up the that midfield trio of of Montero and Medunian and Bedoya because it's just like the best midfield ever assembled <laughs> for this club, and like that's that's their strength is is that is just that like stranglehold that Ted Nugent stranglehold in the in the midfield, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you let me let me finish the exercise of the question? What did you think of Fabian 
his performance yesterday. Because I, I thought the headed goal was nice, but I didn't see a lot else from him in the midfield. I thought he was dropping way too deep. Can I be honest? Uh, I, sure. I know that I know that there have been injury spells. I know that there's been time away from the team. He looked rusty. Um, can you point to a performance this season that has been utterly impressive with Marco no. Fabian wearing the union no. kit? No. And that's a concern to me. And, I again, I get that it, he's rusty. I totally understand it. The chemistry is not there with his teammates because he hasn't been on the pitch. I get it. I'm fearful that we're not looking at David Akam 2.0, but I'm a little bit fearful that for the money spent, he just might not fit that well. Why, now my hope. Why is it like I can't? I, I agree a hundred percent. I just can't put my finger on it. Like it looks like he's just playing a different game as everybody else out there. I don't know. I I haven't I been know. able. Like I, I think I might. You and I. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna go to the Crossing Broad office. We're gonna go to the Jam Board, and we're gonna do a film <laughs> breakdown. I, I don't know. It feels it feels fundamentally like Fabian has been dropped into. Like he's been dropped from, like playing in the EPL to to Serie A. Or like vice versa. It, he just it looks, looks like, like he's like on a different. He's, like he's, on he's a positionally different, there, but like he's he's not. He's like he's on not a different wavelength. Like he's not. They're yeah. not like connecting like mentally. Like when I look at Medunian, Bedoya, Montero, like there's an understanding there. Yeah. There's kind of like a. It's not telekinesis. Telekinesis is when you move things with your mind, right? Yeah. What's the other uh, mental synergy as well? Tele- telepathy. Telepathy. Right? Yes, is that how it. you communicate yes. mind to mind? Yeah. It's just like yes. they kind of like those guys know where they want to be and they know where their spots are. Right. But I think let's a do lot, a basketball. A let's do a basketball a, okay, analogy. Basketball. Right. Like um, Robert Covington and Dario Saric kind of knew where to be. Right. And like they understood their roles within the offense. Covington's not going to be a focal point. He's just going to get a wide open three. Dario's going to stand in the corner and have a corner three or else he's going to crash the boards, right? Then Jimmy Butler comes in. He wants to play pick and roll. Now, it'll it'll work. The Sixers, Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is Marco Fabian, okay? Like, it'll work, and you can go deep with that team, but it's just not, like, it's not ever going to click the way that it should. Is that a good analogy? Yeah, I think it is. Like it just I, seems I'm like trying, he wants to, to play a different way. I don't know what the different. Uh, yeah, the different I'm trying to think of a way for. to articulate it. I, I genuinely yeah. think though that so much of it is just that those guys have been able to build chemistry and have been able to build upon their telepathy. The word of the day. You just think it's a, t- just, it's a I, experience. I think a lot of it's a, it's it's an experience and timing thing. I mean, this isn't again the difference between being on the training ground and, and being on the game day pitch. Or it's totally different, right? Now, the how much the battle? It's 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 just fundamentally different. It is. Now, here's the other thing I was thinking that I was thinking that because Fabian kept dropping deep, that pushed Aronson up. And we know Aronson is not yet ready to play that high, right? If Montero was up there and he got displaced, he would be great playing up there. How many games have Fabian and Montero even played together? Because Montero wasn't there at the beginning of the year. And Fabian started like the first, well, he started one and then he started two and he got red carded. And then he missed two. So, like, I don't think Fabian and Montero specifically have played a lot together at all. And even going back, if you want to say, well, Fabian was here a little bit for preseason, yeah. you know, so he knows Medunian and Bedoya's games a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm with you. I don't, I'm not saying it's, like, not – it can't ever work. But right now it's just it's just not there. Luckily, they still have the fortune of being able to work him in and get him um, involved, right? So Yeah, and it's not like it's a role that he hasn't played before. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. – 
I like so I guess the, it's maybe like the little bit of a cog in in the wheel that you're uh that's not even a good analogy. Um it it's not exactly like your uh, your butler analogy. Yeah. Where yeah. where you know it's a difference of putting a pick and roll guy in a DHO offense but like Fabian's played this role before. At some point you just have to think that these guys getting time together is going to build it. I I want to ask you this though. Mm-hmm. The um the role that that Jamiro plays on this team. I I feel like more often than not, I'm disappointed in the lack of touches that he gets by design. I feel like a lot of times Jamiro is the guy, he's like the the kid that played on your high school team who was by far the most in, like the most fit, the most in shape, who would just burn you from side to side, from touchline to touchline. And you would just kind of like he 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 it's not that he was like positionally unaware, but he always got to the ball and you never felt the need to feed it to him because you knew he was going to get his touches through his own hard work. Hmm. And I sometimes just wonder, like, why this team doesn't make it more of a point to get Jamiro the ball. I understand that, like, when Elsino comes in, he's super sub, he's he's your cheat code, and, and I get it. And he gets to play effectively iso ball on the right flank. I get it. It's it's lovely. But Jamiro, to me, is is as technically gifted, if not more. The way that he's able to weave his way in and out of traffic with the uh, like the swagger that he does i i just wonder why they don't seem to be as as you don't think he's, to, you as, don't think he's getting enough touches i think they could lean on him more in a design or role. they or they could just make it more make it more make him more of the focal point yeah. i honestly think well you know with jim playing him like you know, last week they put him in the in the first Orlando game. He played at the tip, and they pulled Aronson back. So yeah. maybe to your point, that was an effort to try to get him the ball in different positions or get him higher up because they know he's got that creative ability. They've played him as a number ten in the in the four two three one. So I think you're onto something there for sure. I think he's a guy who naturally just finds the ball, like comes back and demands the ball, and always wants to be on it anyway. Um. And like I'm but saying, he he'll, could very, he'll, he'll could will very his way well, to the to the ball. Listen, listen, no, Russ. I mean, it's it's a good point. It brings up a good a good kind of mini exercise here between Aronson, Fabian, and Montero. If you're playing four four two diamond and you're saying which three of those guys is the best at the tip to play the tip, Montero might be the best out of those three, and he might yeah. also be the best to play on either side of it. That's why I was like gushing over him earlier because I was just like um, Montero can play any position in the midfield. He can probably play Aronson's position better than he can. I know he can. He'd probably play Fabian's position better than he can. Yep. So I think obviously what you have to do is clone Jamiro Montero and just name him something different and say it's his twin brother. I totally agree. All right, well, moving on then from the union, unless you had a final thought on the union. No, I think that's it. So let's I, do the, I am encouraged, though. I know that you ask everybody on the uh, the press box uh, episode if they're if they're upset. Yeah, upset. Well, if I it feel, was glass half good. empty or glass half full. I mean, I think it's still glass half full. It's glass. It's glass half. Expectations are changed, you know. Because uh, I'm excited to see yeah. what Vooten looks like, because I, I think that's going to end up being like what a, a sub in maybe the 70th minute, 65th minute. Can't imagine they're going to start him. Right? You think they go like Shabilko and Pico, and then they give him like. 25 minutes at the end of the game in the in the rocky mountain alt- altitude at yeah, here, rio tinto here's a here's a fun idea it is on the road they won't right they now. won't do it because you're not gonna you're not gonna set up both strikers but uh you start with fafa and casper friendly the friendly striker mm-hmm. 
and you pull Fafa and you put in Sergio. Fafa. No, sorry. Yeah, take out take out Fafa, and you put in Wooten, the Wooten clan. <laughs> right, the the Wooten clan, and then you've got Casper and you got Wooten up top, ready to put all the the biscuits in the basket, the onions in the back of the bag. That's right. And then you take out Casper with like I don't know ten minutes left, and you put Sergio up there. I I genuinely want to see some mixing matching from Jim. Like I I want to see Sergio and Wooten. I want to see Wooten and and Casper. Fafa Fafa's there. Well, it's right. You like know, if you believe on in you. Santos and you still think he's got something, you can't just like shove him in there at the on the wing with like twenty minutes twenty minutes left. I know he's gotten yeah. some starts. I know he's had opportunities, but. I mean, at this point, like I, we know what Fafa Pico is. It's not to say he's a bad player because he's not, but like, you know, he's inconsistent in front of the goal. You know, he'll get, yeah. he'll do some good stuff. He'll do some bad stuff for you. So, um, okay, let's move it on then. Let's ta- let's talk about the women then. Actually, I want to segue into that with a kind of thing that just made me laugh. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Grant Wall, <laughs> like, um. You know, basically what happens is, like, I appreciate a lot. You know, I appreciate everybody trying to speak for the women's game and trying to get people to pay attention and, you know, doing their due diligence and and trying to help things along here. But sometimes you just get things that are, too like, too fake edgy and, like, people trying to be, like, a little too edgy and a little too woke. And it just kind of, like, doesn't make any sense or just kind of backfires on them a little bit. Mm -hmm. So Grant Wall came out and said, Honestly, I don't care a bit about the Men's Gold Cup or the Men's Copa America or the Men's Africa Cup of Nations. The Women's World Cup is everything, and all those men's tournaments can jump in a lake. That was the tweet? Yeah. And then Stu Holden and, like, other people you were... You virtue-signaling son of a biscuit. <laughs> it's just, like, like, I get it. Like, I, it's important. Everybody should be paying attention. Um, I think it's dumb because, like, I, I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I, you know, like, I, I'm willing to bet, like, 95% of people who like listen to this podcast, for example, watch the women's game and then watch like the union at four, watch the women at 11, the union at four, and then probably watch the men at nine. Um, I, and my takeaway was just like, you know, cause they were bitching. The the complaint stems from the idea. It's like, well, how can you play the women's final on the same day as the men's gold cup final, the Africa cup of nations and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it. Like it's saying like, if we want to grow the women's game, like give them this exclusivity and then give them the spotlight for a day. Like I, I get it. But like, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, shit, I get to watch like soccer all day. This is great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I get to watch like three great games. One, I mean, like imagine applying that to like another like sport saying like, well, I, you know, I can't, the Miami dolphins should have this day. And, you know, we can't have the Eagles playing at eight o'clock, you know? To like, quote Andy Reid, <clears throat> "This is the, uh, <clears throat> this is uh, this is the Women's World Cup day. Okay, this is their day. We look forward to uh, remember the Stacy, the Stacy, the Stacy uh, Andrews uh, press conference. <laughs> They're like, uh, hey, can you talk to us? Wasn't that Brian Dawkins? They were like, uh, can so. can you talk about the decision to let Brian? Daw- no, no, no. This is Stacy's day. We'll get to that another day. So Grant came back then, and he said." Um, I thought about this some more, and my friend Stu Holden made a good point. My tweet wasn't inclusive at all. Oh, I've always tried to be about inclusion, whether you call the sport soccer, football, calcio, whatever, and this was needlessly divisive. It's not like the fans and players, women's or men's, have any control over when these tournaments are scheduled, and there are great stories everywhere. It's a fantastic week to enjoy the sport. My apologies. Um, shut up, Grant. Just shut up. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. 
Stop. It just makes me laugh because it's like I it, again. It's like it's it's. I, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to do a good thing, but then you try to you go too far to the woke, too far to the clever and edgy side, and you just end up like biting yourself in the ass because it just sounds stupid. Like I mean, the I think most people probably approach the day where they're like, "Wow, we get to watch all these great games," you know. And the women. Here's the other thing, Russ. Too, like eventually, like if the women's game is going to take the next step too, it's, it's ultimately going to have to be able to stand against other things that are going on. Right. Yep. So it's going to have to go against other sports that are being played at the same time. It's going to have to go against MLS or gold cup or whatever games that are going on at the same time. And then you can craft a narrative that says, well, the women's game got 20 bazillion viewers and the men's game only got blah, blah, blah viewers that were played on the same day. So I don't know. I don't know how much that works, but like they, they could almost the, the edgy woke, crew could help themselves by saying oh well look this is an opportunity for us to go head to head not head to head but like play something on the same day kind of turn the narrative this way a little bit so yeah I don't well know. I, you know what I, I do think like I, I thought the women's game was like at, at almost a perfect time you know, no, it, I know, it, start, I know. it kicks it kicks off the day the right way now, sure, they don't have much of a lead in right like I, I guess if you yeah. were gonna well and it was 8 a.m. it was 8 a.m. Pacific too which if, hurt which hurt if, yeah if everything were in the same time zone, then fine. Like I, I get it. Maybe you would want to put them as like the uh, the rubber match between uh, like the Copa and the Gold Cup. Like okay, mm-hmm. then then maybe like uh, fine. Maybe that would be nifty. But dealing with the time zone differences that you had to, I mean, what what would you have rathered if if you're Grant Wall? Would would you have preferred for the um, the Women's World Cup to go off at the same time that mm-hmm. you know there's another major tournament going on? Or like oh, that, yeah. there there are like ML. Like I I don't know exactly what they, that was going to happen. You know, I just like, think I it was the men, the men played super late. I get that. I don't know who there's he's trying. No yeah, I don't no know like way. who he's trying to reach because all the people who follow him are probably going to watch both games anyway, or they're like already agree with his hot take anyway. So I don't really know like what the purpose of that was. But anyway, look, um, the U.S. women, they talked a big game they did their celebrations rapino said whatever the hell she wanted to say um and they fucking went out and backed it up man <laughs> and i yep. and i loved every minute of it i mean to, to me it like see the irony to me was like everybody said like oh it's un-american and blah 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 and rapino and trump and all this fucking horse shit that i got to read every single day um but to me that was the most american thing they could have done was they they talked a big game they backed it up on the field 100 percent they went to Europe with a ton of pressure on their shoulders. They beat five straight European teams. If you if you start with Sweden in the group stage, they beat five straight European teams in Europe to lift the World Cup. And like to me, they can say and do whatever the fuck they want to do because that's America, that's Philly, that's what we want in our athletes is just – you're going to say the shit, back it up on the field. And they did it a bazillion percent, man. And to me, that was the most impressive thing about it was they knew that the pressure was on their shoulders. They knew that they were putting more pressure on their shoulders that, you know, in addition to what was already on there when they do the tea celebration or when Rapino does her like, um, you know, Mary Poppins celebration, well, throwing her hand out, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, so I don't have any problem with anything they said or did. I mean, they played a comprehensive. I don't even think they particularly played that well in the final, if we're being honest. Like, I thought they probably could have been better. But, um, like, how can you not be impressed with just the, the macro level, like, way of how they handled themselves and under the circumstances? They ended up becoming a, a beautifully beloved team. And once again, the nation rallied around them. 
And it's really important to point out that the thing that, you know, Megan Rapino hates Donald Trump for, which is being brash and braggadocious, is ultimately what the women's national team became. I'm John Boric. Check out my Facebook post. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. What a premise for an article, man. That was really a Wow, thing. what a I mean, premise to, for an article. To see. <laughs> I was intrigued, man. I read it. And for people who don't know what we're talking about. I think about, we, we need to so, hook up John Boric and Grant Wall. <laughs> Not today. Well, you know, podcast. whatever they're into. But, like, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, yeah. my God. So if people, people don't know what we're talking about, John Boric, who's a <clears throat> raging right-wing conservative, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, because I really don't give a shit one way or another. Um, but he's like an anti-Kaepernick guy. He's a pro-Trump guy. John Bork used to cover the Flyers for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Uh, wrote a oh, he wrote a column, but he wrote it on his Facebook page because he's not with NBC anymore. Uh, comparing the women's national team to Donald Trump, uh, and he basically said they were like braggadocious and they talked a big game and. Um, they were like unapologetic in how they stomped Thailand and they didn't really have any feelings for anybody else. It was kind of a, I mean, honestly, I got, I got what he was trying to say, but then the comeback is like, you know, like the anti-Trump people would say, well, he's a lying slime ball scumbag who got a million dollar loan from his dad and blah, 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 blah. And say like, how could you ever dare compare them to blah, blah, blah. Wow, you seem really, uh, really well versed in that thought process, there, Mister <laughs> Mister Moderate. I don't want to get, I don't want to get <laughs> like too deep into that part of it, but um, it, it like honestly, like I get it. He, he was, he was like talking about like American e- exceptionalism, right? Like this idea that we're the greatest country in the world. The Republicans love to say that we're the greatest country in the world, blah blah. It's like, which is fine because we can believe that. It's great to to love the country you live in, of course, but it doesn't mean that like other countries aren't great too. Like we're the only fucking good country that's out there. That's so stupid. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting take from him. I honestly think here's here's a take. I'll give you a take. I honestly think Megan Rapino didn't play that well. Um, it's not a hot take because it's right. Well, I mean, from the run of play, I don't. Th- she, she wasn't she, even. She, I, she, you can argue she wasn't even a top three player. I uh, no, I know she no exactly. I mean, you could say, take that Grant Wall. I mean, I guess Alex Morgan out of Rose Lavelle, um, Julie Ertz, of course, is great as always. Becky Sauerbrunn, um, but Rapino. I mean, what she scored three penalties, uh, zero of which I think she earned. Um, I know there's something to be said for being able to step up and take those and put them away, which she did, but still, I mean, like, let's, you know, you know, we've had MLS golden boot winners who have scored like seven penalties, you know? So I just don't, you always got to put an asterisk on that. But, um, I, I honestly don't even, really, I mean, I don't think they even played the, at their best in the final or in some of those other games, but, uh, yeah, just showed how good they are, really. So I just wish I we their, could uh, get past the fucking like. I, I I understand like the importance of it and blah blah blah, but like, like fuck, can we at least get like through just a ninety minute game before we go back into the political shit and all the? I don't have a problem with the fair pay shit. I think it's very important. I just think it's a very nuanced issue, and people don't know what they're talking about. Um, yeah, because you had the collective bargaining agreement, the legal, you know, crap that's going back and forth between the between the two, the two sides, the the lack of understanding that the men get paid differently at the club level and the women get paid differently at the club level too, the the lack of understanding that of the of the jurisdiction of what FIFA controls versus what the United States Soccer Federation controls, right? So just 
a lot of that to me Kevin, goes in people, one ear and well, out the well, other because people well, don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So, listen, the Grant Wall Twitterverse doesn't care about facts; they care about outrage. Let them be outraged. I have a. By the way, I have the uh, the new theme song. I hope that uh, from now on the women's national team mm-hmm. takes this one on. You ready? Is that WWF or WWE? Uh, That's where I first heard it. No. Who's the artist? Um. Uh. I believe that he's a uh, he is a Trump supporter. Sebastian Bach. No. What? Johan. Skid Row. Is that Skid Row? No. Stop. No. No. That of course is the great Kid Rock. Okay, okay. Song, well, Sebastian copy. Bach is like white trash, and Kid Rock is white trash. So I was kind of like along mm. the the same things. Mm. Listen, Russ, they should the uh, the women should get paid more than the men by United States soccer because the men make like ten times as much at the club level anyway. So what the fuck does it really matter? Also, the men suck, and the men suck. Like Michael Bradley they makes suck. five million dollars at the club level, so surely like you can justify. Like Rose Lavelle making three hundred thousand dollars with U.S. soccer, and Michael Bradley's like taking fifty thousand dollars. Here's the thing. <laughs> you know, let me, I'm let never going to sit there and ask anybody to like give up money that they deserve. But like, really, I mean, do, do people understand how lopsided it is? Like to begin with, you know. Here's the thing: in high school athletics, in middle school athletics, I believe up to collegiate athletics, there's Title IX, right? And Title IX says that regardless of gender, well, I mean, this is part of it, but like regardless of gender, you are uh, to provide men and women mm-hmm. or young men and young women with equal playing in terms of the field conditions, in terms of equipment that they're provided with. They're supposed to get the same sort of resources. The same number of uh, number of programs, I believe, as well. Yep. Right. And yeah. so as long as it's something that's applicable, yes. And, you know, I, I think that that would maybe be the fair case to bring. Like if, if that's what we expect for the youth in our country who go into athletics, then I, th- I think it's more than fair to say that that should at least be what we see from, uh, you know, from, from the U S soccer federation. Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's always, we go through this every four years and it's like, you know, are people good? They, they're going to come back. They're going to go on the victory tour, I guess. Um, are people going to show up for NWSL games? I mean, it's at the end of the day, like you can pump as much money as you want into it, but it's on people to, to show up uh it's on people to tune in i mean obviously you know that we haven't had a women's team here since 2011 when the independence folded or i guess when the whole league folded right the wps back then that was before nwsl but um like look at the end of the day like we live in a, a free market capitalist country and um you know, you can you put more money into it. You can give it a financial push. You can have ESPN behind it. But at, at some point, at some point, it might not be this year, next year, the year after. But at some point, these you know, everything has to be able to stand on its own to justify its place in the market. You know, so we can continue to help women's soccer along, help women's soccer along, help women's soccer along. Um, you know, at some point you got to take the wheels off of it and say, look, you're going to have to stand on your own against an MLS game that's going on at the same time. Or you're going to have to stand alone against Major League Baseball that's going on at the same time. These are not, like Russ, these are not, and these are not issues that are like exclusive to the women's game. Like we have this problem with the men's game too, where the Philadelphia Union are going to have to be able to draw against the Sixers. They're going to have to be able to draw 
against the Phillies. They're going to have to be able to draw against the Eagles and the the Flyers. You know, and they're, they're going to have to fight for this this piece of the marketplace, this piece of the pie, just like everybody else does, because it's just not. It's just not feasible moving forward to like say, well, this is the women's time and this is when they're going to be on TV and we got to do that. Like eventually you just, you're going to get thrown into the fray just like everybody else is. And you got to like surface, you know, you got to get your head above water and you got to say that you can hold, you know, you can hold your own. I'm not saying that that's, they can do that with the resources that they have. Now you give them what they need and then say, okay, go do it. But, um, that's the end. The end game here is that you eventually kind of have to stand on your own two feet. And people like Joe friggin' four for four jabroni Philly sports fan, you got to get, you got to convince him. You know, it's no issue with me. It's no issue with you. It's no issue with Tannenwald and the George and Philadelphia Union fans or whatever who will, who will watch the women's game, support the women's game. But you need to convince. It's just like Union fans. Union fans have to penetrate the four for four jabroni guy to get him to care about the Union. Women's soccer has to has to do the same thing. In that way, I don't even really see it as like a men's versus women's thing. That's it's more of like a soccer problem, isn't it? Yep. <clears throat> well, there's a and I think there's a whole element to this of like I think you probably saw this, but like Twitter was then saying um, that that means that every MLS club should then have a a linked NWSL team, which I think is okay. a terrible idea. Yeah, right. And there's a simple reason for it. We we've seen what something like that looks like between like the partnership between the NBA and the and the WNBA oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. where they, they brought, you know, the, the idea was that the NBA was going to be able to get a better overall deal on um, stadium access for WNBA teams. Um, and and I, I guess use their negotiating leverage as an organization to help the WNBA. But what's the biggest problem? If you've ever turned on a WNBA game or have gone to one in person it's what a, an arena that seats around twenty thousand people, give or take, mm-hmm. maybe a, a few less, few more at like MSG, yeah. Staples. But you go to a WNBA game, and it's like what four thousand people are there, and then it feels yeah. like you're playing yeah. to to an empty arena yeah. where you could make the case that you know leagues like the WNBA or maybe the the NWSL would benefit more from filling out like a, a college stadium. Or, you know, yeah, I know people yeah. don't want to say like a high school stadium, but some high school stadiums are actually nicer than some college stadiums. Try to build a core of of supporters and, and loyal followers of the team by doing it in a way that builds an atmosphere and doesn't feel hollow and empty. Well, and, you, and I and think that's 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 been I like agree. a big issue. I agree because they don't they don't deserve to, to play in front of a 25 percent full stadium you know and the but, but the other thing that it's a lo- that makes it a lose-lose situation is that you know if you're linking you know every mls team to like an nwsl team that you know by by virtue by nature of the 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 structure would be um you know subsidized to some point by the mls team the money that they bring in or money above from u.s soccer it's still you, you're never going to be able to create that separation it says that they have enough clout they have enough there's enough want for that product that it can stand on its own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The haters, the the haters of women's soccer are always going to be are always going to say, "Well, the Portland Thorns can't exist on their own without the Portland Timbers or something." Right? Maybe that's a bad example because they because they very well supported in general. But you know what I mean? Like you could say uh, Philadelphia Union and the Philadelphia Independence bring them back. But could the Philadelphia and that might work because the greater Union community would also support the the intrinsically linked independence community but if you took away the union and said to the independence okay you go stand on your own like there's just not 
there's just not enough demand for that in the marketplace that it's going to, you know, that's why I always ask people to look at it pragmatically. It's not like being callous about it. It's like, you got to understand of like the cutthroat, like TV ratings, business world that we live in. Like that's capitalism. Like if you can't justify, if you can't stand alone, justify your place in the market, then it's just not like, it's just not there, you know? So, yep. um, okay. Anyway, about the, um, the men, I, I yeah, I watched the, the the whole damn game last night, and that was the best I felt about the United States men's team in a long time. I mean, even though the result was disappointing, and Josie missed a fucking sitter, and Mexico, uh, Guardado choked uh, Weston McKenney literally right in front of the referee. Um, but I mean, they looked inspired in the first half. They were that, moving well. I I don't know, man. I had like a small case of PTSD from uh, from watching that choke and nothing being done about it. Um, back in high school, when I was representing the Pottsville Crimson Tide, off the bench, of course, uh, there was a moment. <laughs> Is that what you guys were called, the Crimson Tide? The, the Crimson Tide, the which Crimson everybody Tide? I tell to. Yeah, the Crimson Tide, like Alabama. And every time I say oh to somebody, God. yeah, we were the Crimson Tide, people are like, oh, that that's like a slang for like a period, right? Like that's a menstrual cycle thing. I'm like, that really, that really ruins my that's entire high school experience. <laughs> I've, I've had, listen, I've had people... Many people from all over Pennsylvania who have told me they've said menstrual cycle, and I say, very, I'm very sensitive to menses, believe me, and I apologize. Anyway, there I am, going up against the uh, Schuylkill Haven Hurricanes, yeah, them, as they were, yeah. and uh, this curly, yeah. cur- this blonde, curly-haired piece of garbage was uh, attack. I mean, was absolutely ruthless to our center backs. Almost tore a kid's ACL. So I just flat tired him when he was going in on goal, right? Like he was offside, and like the 350 pound assistant referee over on the on the sideline waved his flag from you know 40 yards away, and uh, I flat tired the kid. He turned around and he starts choking me. Now, of course, I had gone through many years of Goju-Ru self defense, <laughs> and so I yelled to the ref while this kid had his hand around my throat, and the ref just looked. He was stunned. Did nothing about it. My coach took me out because he was fearful I was going to get a red card as uh, as retribution. So I, I'll tell you what, I uh, I was taken back to that moment. Yeah. Did I, That's what I get for watching the Gold Cup. Have I ever told the story on the podcast about the time I got a three-game suspension from the Casa League? I don't know. That's time to crack that one out. <sighs> so we were playing up at YSC. Um, who was I playing for at the time? I was still playing for Cyborgs of Doom. This was like 2014, 2015. Um, the cyborg. Yeah, I don't know why we changed our name. We were like Philly United or something for three years, and then we changed our name one year to the Cyborgs of Doom. It wasn't my decision, but um, and we, I think we won the title the first year, and then I think we like couldn't score a goal the second year. But we always played these dudes from Krakowia was the name of the team. I guess the guy Eric who started the team is like Polish as all get out. Like he is lives that near in Chechnya. He or? lives in no, that's in uh, Russia. Um, mm-hmm. This guy's Polish, so he li- like he lives in Port Richmond, shit. So his team is Krakowia, right? Like I guess Krakowia is the name of a Polish second division team or some shit. So this one like asshole who I played against like fifty times is like in the midfield, and he's just like shoving me and being an asshole during the, like the whole thing. And I I knew it was like just going the wrong way. So we both go up for a header. He comes down and like hits me with a cheap shot elbow as we're going down. So when we like come crashing to the ground, like I just grabbed him. And, uh, like we rolled around a little bit and then I got him in like a rear naked choke 
<laughs> and uh, the ref came out, like a bunch of people like pulled us off. But it, I felt like the biggest turd on the planet because uh, <clears throat> there was a bunch of kids like waiting to play a game after us. There was a bunch of like eight and nine year olds that were uh, <clears throat> like watching in horror as I like like bulldog choked the guy. And we both got ejected. Wow. We both got red carded. Um, he got a four game suspension because he started it. And he elbowed me in the face as we were going down. So the ref saw that. Um, I got three game suspension for fighting. So I want uh, I want people who listen to it's always soccer in Philadelphia to play along with me from now on. There's uh, I'm going to make the Kevin Kincaid drinking game. Anytime Kevin mentions Casa, <laughs> you have to finish your drink. Anytime Kevin mentions his time as a referee, take a sip. Hey, now. Anytime, anytime Kevin brings up the name Bruh. of a town or geography, two sips. There was another thing. I'm leaning on me, experience, I, I man. Here, this is what I do. This is my brand. Mm. This is my show, too. Not open brand. And if you don't like it, you can take your Rudy Poo candy ass. Uh shove it sideways what does the rock say oh come on all right well uh so take take insert item here shine it up real nice and give it to the 99 percent of americans that don't have it there you go so yeah i mean i wasn't like i whatever um i didn't think mexico was even that great i mean it's like their b team anyway but i don't know i mean i thought um you know, Pulisic probably could have did a little bit more, but he's a player for the future. You know, you got a great right back in Reggie Cannon. Uh, Aaron Long was good. Um, you know, the back line was pretty good. Zach Steffen, you got a goalkeeper of the future. I mean, Michael Bradley and Josie, I'm pretty much done with. Um, I don't think Jossie Zardes and Jordan Morris are necessarily national team level. Um, Hold on. Wait. On the last show, there was a, there was a, a point made about how people have been crapping on Josie and on Michael Bradley. And who was it that said that, that they weren't upset with those guys playing? They thought the whole thing was kind of overblown. How long are you going to hold a grudge? This came up on the last show. Mm. And I feel like, and I, I feel like you kind you of... that was me? I feel like you kind of support it. You weren't the one who brought it up, but you you were a, a, a quasi-supporter of it. Well, last night, and that it, was before... And it actually made was, me nauseous. That was before I watched Josie miss a sitter and before I watched mm. Michael Bradley just, like, not really be up to snuff last night. Like, they're only 20... Josie out to looking to be Chris Wondolowski. Here's the thing. Like, I don't think people realize Josie's 29. He's not that old. Bradley's only 31. It feels like they're a lot older than that because we've been watching them. Like, the 2010 World Cup felt like it was a million years ago. Um, yep. Are they the best in their current positions right now? I I mean, maybe. Uh, Tyler Adams changes everything for me. But, like, looking forward to the next cycle, like, I can't justify Josie and Michael Bradley being in the next World Cup at age 35 and uh, – or age, I'm sorry, uh, 2020 – uh, la, 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 2022, you know, at age 34 and whatever the fuck, right? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. honestly, I would just kind of say thanks for your service. You've been a great, uh, you know, what do they say in England? You've been a great servant to the club. Uh, it's time mm-hmm. to move on. And let's like, I'm honestly more interested in like some of the U twenties and some of the like, uh, 21, 22 year olds, you know, mix them in with Weston McKenney, uh, Paxton Pomacal, throw them in there, see what he's got. Reggie Cannon, Tyler Adams, Tyler Boyd. Like I wasn't, I didn't watch that last night. I didn't, I didn't feel discouraged, I guess is what I would say. You know, other games like under the Dave Sarakin, you know, regime, the one year of that, I just felt utterly fucking apathetic and bored. 
and uninterested in the men's national team you know in in general it got so bad that they were just a whipping boy for the for the woke people who just wanted to like you know prop up the women's team and say that the men's team was dog shit the men's team didn't have anything to stand on because you know what they were dog shit so yep um all right you want to take questions and comments and concerns I love questions, comments, and concerns. Okay, this is from Matt Thornton, a mediocre bad guy. Uh, credit to Matt Thornton for coming up with the name of this podcast. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Uh, he says, Rose Lavelle is my golden ball for the Women's World Cup. I liked Fabian's freedom to roam to get onto the ball. It reminded me a bit of Christian Maidana, who is now on his 13th club in 13 pro years. Uh, was it good for the 2019 system or bad? Uh, we talked about that, the Fabian's roaming. I don't know. I, I think it's different with Montero in there, you know, who can plug that gap and go forward. Um, Eric Grote says the Gold Cup final wasn't being broadcast in the Lima, Peru airport. Can you fix this for next time? Thanks. Well, I think Russ can fix it because he speaks Spanish. It's better than. He speaks Espanol. Yeah. Espanol. Que bueno, no? Richard Saunders says, do you have any leads on Jim Curtin's burner account? No, I don't, but we've known that he's had it for a long time. And you know actually what tipped us off, well, what tipped off the public to it, which would have which would have um clued people in the first time was when he and I got in the CJ Sapong argument in the press conference. Right? Cuz he was referencing shit that I said on Twitter. Like how would he know what I said on Twitter if he wasn't reading it on his burner, you know? Unless mm. unless like the PR staff like prepped him on all my tweets, which they would, which they don't, which they wouldn't, you know, um, did this is from some chill. Did the union look uninterested and uninspired after they went up one, nothing on Sunday? It looked like they thought they had the game in the bag. It's a game. You should win at home. In my humble opinion. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, but again, that's, I think that's part of what set this team apart from most of the iterations before it is that even if they are gonna like let off the gas a little bit they usually get up by more than one it was just kind of uncharacteristic i think that they probably thought that by going up when they did and knowing that the game had been delayed a day they probably were just kind of resting on their laurels that uh orlando was just going to kind of pack it in yeah because they were sitting there playing like like five at the back and the union scored early and they're probably like all right well we've got this you know yep and to to orlando's credit they you know they played well and and then you know what in some sense for as disappointing as the union's result was to that point, at least they fought back and, and ended up with a point out of it. Cause that would have been an, an absolute disaster to end up with nothing. Connor says, uh, Michael Bradley looked like he moved slower than me after a couple of IPAs. Why I would agree, you drink man. An IPA? Yeah. I just don't know why you would drink an IPA unless the Larimer is giving it to me. Then I'm drinking it. I actually tried mm. one of their IPAs when I met up with uh, Matt and the dudes. It was good. It was like a session uh, IPA. It Ooh. was good. It was like lower alcohol, you know. Um, Look at you. Ian Smith says, uh, "Is it fair to compare women's and men's sports in any capacity?" Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it, sure. Yeah. Like, this is the so my my wife is is really good about this stuff in that, like, I've I've met people who have tried to say that like the WNBA and the NBA are effectively the same product mm-hmm. and that the highest quality of women's basketball is comparable to the highest quality of men's, which I, it's, it's not, but like soccer is the one that she's like very dead set on. And like, you can say that like the overall speed of the game. All right. That, that doesn't match up perfectly. And like the technical skill, 
and and some of like the the explosive plays like the Ronaldo back post header where he jumps up, you know, 17 feet in the air. Like, okay, you don't see that in the women's mm-hmm. game. But but I would argue that the women's game fundamentally in a lot of ways is in some ways like at the same level and and in some ways I feel like the women's game at least at the international level it feels like they play a more fundamentally sound system than certain men's uh, national teams where it feels like there's an over-reliance on a star player to mm. get everything going. Hint, Messi. I and have, um, Yeah, no, I have two know. thoughts on that. Um, number one, I would kind of agree with your wife in, in that, you know, it's the difference between the men's game and the women's game is blurred more than other sports. Um <clears throat> You know, one of the things that we always say about soccer on the men's side is that, you know, the thing that makes it beautiful is that you don't need to be six foot three and 225 pounds, you know, because yep. a guy like Sebastian Javinko or Lionel Messi can be five foot seven, 145 and still be amazing at the game, you know, and that's why soccer is so celebrated because you don't necessarily need the athletic profile that you need to be of a, a American football player or a baseball. Well, baseball is not a good example because you can be a fat fuck and be good at baseball, uh, but basketball, you know, um, so if that is a- applicable to the men's game, certainly it's applicable to the women's game. Like Rose Lavelle can be six. Uh, she can be five foot eight and 130 pounds or whatever the hell. Right. And she can still be great because she can be low to the ground. She can have, you know, um, good vision and distribution. There's a lot of stuff that just does not require a necessarily robust athletic profile. You know what I mean? So a lot of the same things that we celebrate in the diversity of, of the men's game, you know, smaller, smaller guys, taller guys, you know, faster guys, slower guys that, that can all kind of be applied to the women's game. Yeah. Um, yep. I played a ton of co-ed soccer back in the day. I always liked playing co-ed because I felt like the the women that we played with and like all of them were ex, ex-college players, they did play like a more fundamental game. They knew how to space the field. They they knew where they wanted to pass the ball. Um, they just kind of understood what we were trying to do. Whereas a lot of like the guys that I was playing with, we would just be like throwing ourselves into tackles and like trying to be like ultra aggressive and shit like that to the point where it was like counterproductive. But the women on our team, we could always count on them to like kind of be steady and hold the shape and um, you know, back us up when we would go flying into a tackle and take ourselves 15 yards out of the play, you know? So I do, I do think in a way, I think some of the down, some of the drawbacks you see in women's soccer, I don't think the goalkeeping is necessarily at the, at a, a level of the men's game. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't think obviously, you know, like top ends, you know, you're not going to get the same like top end speed and, um, you know, there's sort of high impact kind of, uh, aerial, aerial plays that you would see in the men's game. But, I mean, for a yeah. lot of for the, the reasons I listed, I don't. I think that's why the women's game is 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 could certainly be comparable to the men's game. You know, yep. um, Mike Yarum says uh, Fontana, Anthony Fontana seems to play well in his appearances this year. While there's a bit of a log jam in the midfield, I think the union needs to see what he has to offer long term. Thoughts? Uh, is Anthony Fontana any any better or any worse than Brendan Aronson? Like, why is why is Brendan Aronson getting this huge push, but we don't see anything in Fontana? I think that's the the real question. Like, I, I would be interested to see what Fontana does because I think I think we've kind of gone open and close in the times that I've been on this show that we've talked about the fact that like Aronson's just not ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like I I I don't see and Fontana's older than I don't him. see I don't see yeah and I I don't see Aronson finding the ability this season to break through and I and I understand wanting to play a kid 
and get him, you know, important reps and, and reps in games that matter. And, and there's something to be said for that. But I think the the speed of the game is too much for him right now. And I think he's just like in a yeah. he's like slower at processing what's going on on, on the pitch than than maybe Fontana would be. Mm. I, I would have no problem seeing Fontana get a little bit more of an extended run and, and let Aronson go down to steal and and get his bearings. And, you know, maybe he ends up being somebody that's brought in as part of a rotation and he comes in feeling a little bit more confident because I couldn't blame him if at this point he's feeling a you know a little bit of a a hit to not not to the ego but like to his confidence going into games mm-hmm. just knowing that he hasn't been able to really make a, a major impact consistently. Uh, Doctor Strange Dupe says, "How worried should U.S. fans be about last night's loss on a scale of one to 10? Um I think I'd say like a two or a three. I, I, I wouldn't be that worried about it. I'm the opposite side of the spectrum. Mm. I I'm deeply concerned about the next World Cup cycle, and I know that it's still quite a bit off. But uh, Berhalter right now has done little to nothing to make me think that he is an innovative. I wasn't a fan of the subs, uh, and, and that he's an innovative manager at the forefront of what soccer is developing into and what it will be a few years from now. I find the lack of development to a point where you have to rely on Michael Bradley and Josie Altador to come out and, and it feels like playing the greatest hits. I, I'm worried that this program hasn't been able to find suitable replacements for those guys to an extent where you don't feel this need to rely on them in, in, a, in what they would consider a big match in the Gold Cup final. Those are two things. I The, the Berhalter thing to me was one of the most fraudulent um, searches for an executive yeah. on a team mm-hmm. since the Philadelphia 76ers brought in Brian Colangelo. It's just, it, it just felt nasty. It felt dirty. And by the way, the, the long held belief that the U S soccer federation didn't give Tata Martino any thought because he, he had a language barrier issue. If, if that part is ever true, if anybody ever comes out like this will be like an ESPN 30 for 30 thing many years from now, but if like that ever comes out from somebody who was in the know or who was on that, um, the executive committee that was looking for a new manager, like if, if that's a real thing, then a lot of people should have lost their jobs because you lost a tactically brilliant to an extent manager who was, who was managing in your domestic league and you let him go because Berhalter spoke English. Like put those two guys next to each other, give them the same lineup and tell me how many times... Berhalter is is going to lead that team to a better result than Tata Martino would have. You know, I, that's hey, that's the part that's disappointing to Speaking me. Speaking of Brian Colangelo, um, Glenn Macnow uh, asked on Twitter, "What's the who are the best Philly sports power couples?" And uh, obviously, like Ertz, Julie Ertz, and Zach Ertz is like number one of all time in eternity, right? Uh, I had AJ Feely and Heather Mitz as a number two now. And number three, I think I'd have to go for Philly sports power couples. I think I'd have to go Brian Colangelo and Barbara Bettini. Ah, Barbara, you wonderful lady. Uh, Mike says, will Andrew Vooten be the only biggest, uh, only slash biggest summer move for the union? Uh, Or do you think they could add another starting caliber player? No, I I think that's it. I think they're done. I don't think there's anything more coming. Um, brisket bear says, did Rapino making the world cup about Rapino bother you? Because it bothered me. Um, n- no, no, it didn't bother me. Cause she backed it up. 
I mean, I don't think she, like I said, I don't think she played very well from the run of play. Like she stayed too fucking wide all the time. And I need Alex Morgan to learn how to make a diagonal run. Um, but no, I, I didn't, nothing Rapino did bothered me because like she backed up everything she said. She didn't really say all that much either. Like she was asked questions and she answered them, but it was like, she wasn't doing any kind of elaborate protest. Um, yeah. I don't think she was even really that annoying. I think like people put microphones to her and asked her shit and she answered it, but it wasn't like she came out with all guns played. Like she didn't pull up her shirt and said, fuck Trump on it or whatever, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, Christian says, what should we think about the Aurelian Colin over Mark McKenzie start? Um, I don't know. McKenzie played with Bethlehem steel on Thursday. And he went like 90 minutes. I don't know. Aurelian Collins a pro. <laughs> Colin makes me laugh, man. I love I love watching him play because he's just like he's all over the place. You can you can rest assured that he'll like be down on the ground rolling around at least three times. He's gonna put his body on the line. He's gonna clean somebody out with a huge tackle. Like the guy's just like a train wreck to watch in, in a good way. Um, what do we make about it? I don't know. I have no idea what's up with Mark McKenzie. Um, how did you feel about Real, by the way? Matt Real, man, that was an game. interesting sub. Nice. I I yeah. liked him. I I liked his crossing ability from the left flank. Like I I was actually somewhat impressed. I think they just with went, his, uh, like, his impact on the game at the end. I thought it was one good. Of the, one of the storylines that normally would be bigger if they weren't that good this year would be like, why aren't we seeing any of Matt Real and Anthony Fontana? Like where where have we gone with the rest of these home like the lost couple of homegrowns? You know, like yep. why is Brendan Aronson the the next coming of uh, Jesus and? You know, these other guys are like chop, chop meat, you know. Yeah. Um, Connor says, do you think having Jamiro on the field changes that tie to a win? And what is your podcast setup, uh, Mike, recording and editing software? Uh, Jamiro on the field, yeah, I think it changes it to a win. Uh, so when I record with Russ, we're using a program called TriCast, where we record uh, on the internet. So I'm sitting at my computer with a microphone. He's sitting at his computer with a microphone. It records online. Uh, and then Russ mixes it down into an MP3, and he just sends it to me. Um, I've I use GarageBand for that. It's really Russ great. uses GarageBand. I use a Sonar X1, um, which I used for recording music. The two albums that I did back in the day. Um, mm. And I have a um, when we did when Dave and I did the fundraiser back in the day. I got a, um, a PreSonus uh, Studio 68, so I have like four mic inputs on it, and it's like a USB that does. Um, I just plug a like a Sure SM58. I have like half music equipment and half for like recording equipment. Like Sure SMs are like what uh, bands use like on stage all the time, so I use those mics. But that's the setup. Let me let, let me recommend mic wise to people if you're thinking about doing podcasts. Uh, Yeti. Well, I guess it's Blue. Blue is the name of the line. There's like the Blue Yeti, and then there's the Blue Snowball. And depending on how many people you think are going to listen to your show. The blue snowball is a terrible microphone. I got it once just because it was it was on sale, but uh, the recording quality of it was was pretty bad. Now it's good if you're going for like a, a full room effect, then it's it's somewhat decent. But if you shell out a little bit more for the blue Yeti, it is a uh, a much better overall microphone. Um, and it's a USB. Joe House has two good questions. One of them I don't think I'm prepared to answer. He says, um, women's team with a lot of over 30s on the squad project the 2023 three-peat champions. I can't give you a full starting 11, but uh, Rapino is going to be gone, yeah, because she's going to be too old. Uh, <clears throat> Alex Morgan will be 34. Uh, I mean, Lavelle will be a star. 
how old's Crystal Dunn? She'll still be playing. Sauerbrunn, I think, will be gone, right? She's too old. If it were the men's team, they'd bring back Abby Wambach. <laughs> I guess the next generation of stars are Rose Lavelle. I mean, how old is Lindsay Horan? I guess she didn't She didn't even play in the final. Did she Did she come in as a sub? I can't even remember. Remember all the shit people are saying, like, does Jill Ellis even know how to coach, blah, blah, blah. I mean, she could have thrown anybody on the field. They probably would have won. Lindsay Rand's, uh she's 25, so she'll so be, be her 29 so for the next cup. She'll be there, yeah. Mewis is Mewis still in her 20s? I think she is. Um, maybe uh, Mallory Pugh, Morgan Bryan might be in there. Girlfriend of uh, former Philadelphia Union player Eric Bird, by the way. Um, uh, how about how about Kim Hunter? Will she uh, will she be on the squad? I don't even know who that is. Who does she play for? Kim Hunter is if if you uh, if you play on uh, FIFA. FIFA 19. Kim Hunter is one of the uh, story mode players along with Alex Hunter and Danny Williams. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Shows how much FIFA I've been playing, uh, which is none because I actually play real soccer in the Casa League. Drink. Glug, glug, glug. Um, Glug, glug. Joe also says, how does the young up-and-coming... How do you beat the Mexico high press? Yeah, I mean, they played some direct shit early, you know, um, and Josie was just able to, like, like uh, bulldog some guys, and they got they got behind Mexico. I mean, yeah, you can play direct. We can play direct. Nothing wrong with playing direct and winning on set pieces. We beat Mexico like that a couple of times, so I don't have any problem with that. Um, Bro Rad says Fontana should steal some errands in time. Mitch Dandenack says, do you think Montero could be a long-term option at the number 10 spot? I do, but I like him as a shuttler better. Um, that's a problem. He's the best. He's the best at two different spots on the field. Um, yep. Joe says any union player on the current roster where to play overseas, who is the most likely candidate? To play overseas? Jamiro Montero. Uh, I think he's probably going back there inevitably anyway. Probably. Uh, Sean says, Sean Croce, no relation to Pat, not that I know of. Is there any chance the union try to upgrade it right back and is Cleberson's quoted recruitment of Danny Alves more on the funny side or the sad side of the spectrum? I think it's more on the funny side because I think the Balotelli thing ended up being sad, how that got blown out of proportion. And we had to do it a, an emergency, like a non-emergency Balotelli podcast with Phil. Um, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan says, who does Vooten replace up top? Yeah, I think he replaces Fafa. And that's it. Um, Fafa. Fafa. Russ, I'm going um, to give you the last word on well, the Boys Soccer podcast. Um, I don't know much. Oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm, Kevin, I, I'll be honest. I'm running on empty. No. I am. I'm, oh, I'm running no. on empty. But, but don't worry. But hey, but don't worry. Oh, no. I'm running on empty, and you know what, Kevin? Actually, uh, the other day, my propane t- <laughs> was running on empty, and you know what I did? Do you know what, what I did? I called the fine folks. I went onto their site, cinch.com. Check the episode description. And uh, cinch.com is a propane delivery service brought to you by Amerigas. They will uh, they'll deliver you a brand-new full propane tank for just $10 with the promo code CROSSINGBROAD, capital C, capital B, one word, CROSSINGBROAD. You go over to their site, punch in your address, and uh, put your old tank out on your porch or your driveway or your stoop. Stoop kids afraid to leave the stoop. Leave it outside. And they will exchange it with a brand new full propane tank for just $10. Again, that's cinch.com. C-Y-N-C-H dot com. That's my final Well, word. there you have it. I'd like to thank you, Russ, um, for coming on the program again. Uh, I'm sure we'll get big ratings, as we always do when you come on. Huge. We'd like to thank uh, 
Grant Wall for his inspiration as well. We'd like to thank John John mm. Boric uh, for his column mm. as well. And, uh, of course, we'd like to thank you, the listener, uh, which is why we do the Always Soccer in Philadelphia program. Uh, episode number 84. Uh, again, the Larimer Live podcast is on. We're good. July 20th. Uh, what I would suggest is the the, the brewery was, is so close to the stadium that you're going down to the game. Just park where you would normally park and just walk over. It's literally like two, it takes you two seconds to walk. It's literally right behind the train tracks on the other side of the practice fields. Um, there's no like cost to get in. There's no cover charge. There's no rules, not that I know of yet. So just walk on in. Uh, I will uh, have a table there with my PA system, and uh, we'll be sitting there, and we'll just talk. Uh, we'll just talk soccer. We're not. We're not gonna like do any crazy surprises or anything like that. We're not gonna have like nobody's gonna like. It's not gonna be like Latou jumping out of like a birthday cake or something. It's just gonna be like a solid, good uh, Philadelphia Union talk, which is why you listen to this program in the first place, right? All right, I'm yeah. Kevin. He's Russ. Russ, thanks, man. We'll do it again sometime. Until then. Enjoy your first place Philadelphia Union.